Hello, and welcome to Keep Middlesex Moving Mobility Matters podcast. I am Christina Fowler, and I'm joined today by my fellow host, Arlene Holt. Hello. So on today's episode, we have Kathleen Lewis. She's an e-mobility program manager for the Board of Public Utilities. Thank you for joining us, Kathleen. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. So before we get into this episode, like so many women in the workforce today, you wear quite a few hats. Can you give our listeners just a little bit of background about your path to BPU as well as your civic career? Sure. I've been in sort of all areas of transportation. I I worked for the Motor Vehicle Commission. Um, I worked in the governor's office um, in past administrations. Um, When I left Governor Corzine's office, I moved to AAA, where I spent uh, about a decade working on transportation funding and traffic safety. While there, I, I fought to have us fund the you know, appropriately fund the transportation trust fund, making sure that we had safe roads for everyone. And in, in doing so, I spent a lot of time on sort of the importance of multimodal roadways and on the importance of making sure that all of our vehicles are paying into the system, which is how I got involved in EVs in the first place. And I sat on several boards and I, I currently still sit on the board of the Bike Walk Coalition in the Murphy administration. I came in, moved around a little bit and ended up at the BPU where I am in charge of all of their EV programs. So having utilities build out infrastructure, our incentive programs and all of those other pieces. Not at all related to any of those other pieces. I do do lots of things within my community, (laughs) (laughs) including Girl Scout leader to both of my girls' troops and all sorts of fun things where we actually did all of the engineering badges, (laughs) I should say. That's Um, really an accomplishment. (laughs) (laughs) They loved all our auto engineering badges. They were super fun. Um, And I serve on my local council as well. I'm a Girl Scout leader too. My daughter is working on her silver award. She's um, awesome. a cadet. So I'll have to talk with you a little bit about the engineering badges later. <laughs> Absolutely. They're fun. And my daughter just is, is finishing her bronze award. Nice. Congratulations. Nice. I'm a former Girl Scout troop leader. <laughs> so we have a lot in common. <laughs> Me too. So we have a lot to talk about today. So we're just going to jump in. Earlier this year, Charge EVC, which is a nonprofit coalition of stakeholders that promotes electric vehicles, reported that between 2020 and 2021, New Jersey saw over an 88% year-to-year growth in EV sales. Mm -hmm. That's just bananas. I'm sure many EV buyers have taken advantage of the incentives offered by the state of New Jersey through the Charge Up NJ program. Can you talk a little bit about what is the Charge Up NJ program and how it benefits EV owners and potential new owners? Sure. We also did really see a spike in that registration. This last year was the first year where we had data that showed where, when some of those spikes occurred and it occurred during, you know, when, when that program opened. So we really saw that that can have an influence on the market. Um, The Charge Up program was created by the legislature in the first year. It was a flat $5,000. If you purchased a new EV, uh, it was up to $5,000. It is based on $25 per e-mile. So the more efficient your car is, the more money you would get for it. In year two, we um, utilized that same $25 per e-mile. Um, But we really wanted to focus on what we refer to as incentive essential buyers. So those buyers who, without that incentive, were not going to be able to make that purchase. To do so, we created a tiered structure that if your vehicle was under $45,000, you would receive up to $5,000. If it was between $45,000 and $55,000, which is the statutory cap on the funding, then you would receive $2,000, with the idea being that we focused on those vehicles that were 
more likely to be purchased by by lower and moderate income families. We saw um, that that program had great success. It ran through the statutorily, the legislatively mandated $30 million very quickly. The legislature required that this program be a 10-year program and it be funded with at least $30 million each year of that 10 years. We are upon the start of a new fiscal year. And there is a compliance filing out on the BPU website right now that details the proposal for the third year, which is very limited changes. It changes the maximum from $4,000 to $5,000 in an effort to make sure that that money lasts as long as possible. So that was actually one of the questions that I had for you was, will there be new funding for for customers? Because that grant money was, I think it ended in September of Mm -hmm. 2021, right? Yeah. Uh, September 15. So I know that there were a lot of people who were looking to take advantage of that money and they just, for many reasons, one of which is there's just a big demand and automakers cannot make them fast enough. So a lot of people had to wait until the new year to receive ownership of those vehicles. In year two, anyone who ordered their vehicle and followed the process prior to, from July 5th through September 15th, when we paused the program, were eligible to receive their incentive. They had to go through the process, but they were eligible to see it. We still have actually over a thousand cars outstanding. They were ordered in September. They still have not been delivered. So we're very aware of that issue. And we paused the program at the point where we looked at the applications we had in and the orders that we, we knew were coming in. And we paused the program when we thought that those numbers were going to exhaust our $30 million because we didn't want people to order them, have them come in seven months later and find out that there was no money left for them. We wanted people to have that confidence that if they had ordered within and played within the rules that they would be able to receive their funding. Those same rules are in the compliance filing in that proposal for year three. So you must order and purchase your vehicle while that program is open. And if we do believe the money will be exhausted, we'll, we'll fall back into that system where, where we make sure we capture those orders so that they can be honored later on. That's really good to know. What is the state doing to educate the average homeowner about the benefits of EVs and the EV incentive programs? So, I mean, the good news is, is that we've seen from the popularity of the charge up program, we really don't need to advertise EVs that much. <laughs> I think the gas prices are doing a great job all by themselves. <laughs> There's that too. But there is still a lot of education that is needed. DEP has partnerships with dealerships to do education to dealers so that when you go into a dealership, they can answer your questions. I think that Having more options when it comes to the manufacturers is helping that too. Dealers are getting more questions every day. DEP has this great education program. The law that created the charge up program also required DEP to do a marketing campaign, which they are working on. You can find regular information on the BPU website as well as the DEP um, website. And they have a Drive Green New Jersey website. We work with Sustainable Jersey to get out some of that information as well. So those are all great resources. And we do our best to sort of streamline and combine those. Um, and we'll continue to do that. And we will list all the links to those organizations at the bottom, the description of our podcast episode. Awesome. Now we have the EV car in our driveway. Let's talk public charging. We have public charging. We have uh, municipal EV ordinances. Can you tell us a little bit about the EV tourism program? Sure. So the EV tourism program is a competitive program. It is designed to encourage EV tourism locations to put in chargers. And EV tourism locations can be lots of different places. They can be tourist attractions. They can be downtowns. They can be parks. They can be, I think that one of the things that's going to change and And one of the things I really like about um, 
sort of the EV transition and how I think about it, going back to some of my traffic safety pieces, this is about changing driver behavior. It's not just getting you to buy an EV over an internal combustion engine. It's about how do we change all of our behaviors? One of those behaviors that has to change is how do we gas up our cars? You know, we think about gassing up right now, we can drive into a gas station, we take a double take at the price, and, <laughs> and then we reluctantly hand over our credit card. Um, <laughs> that's not what it will look like in the future. So first off, for most people, most charging goes on overnight. And then you get sort of those other places. So that means you're going to have to spend, if you are doing fast charging, you're going to have to spend a half an hour someplace. If you were doing what we refer to as level two charging, you're going to have to spend a couple of hours to really fully top off your tank. And so that gives an opportunity for downtowns that really want to bring in tourists that say, hey, we've got great things to do. We've got restaurants, we've got shops, come look at these things. Having this extra amenity can be a real draw not just to other people in the state, but think about how central New Jersey is. Think about, and central Jersey is real. I said yes. central Jersey is real. Um, and I live there. Um, so you have people from Delaware and Pennsylvania and New York and Maryland going, where can I go for the weekend? And if I have an EV, the question is not only where can I go for a weekend that I can get to in an hour or two, it's where can I go and know I can charge up? So is it a day trip? Is it a weekend trip? If I'm looking, do I want to go to a beach in Maryland or a beach in New Jersey? If I go, oh, there's charging stations up and down the Jersey Shore, I may go to Jersey Shore. If I go, oh, I want to go to a quaint little town and spend the day antiquing or spend the day just walking around. Are there charging stations here? That may be a great option. And so the EV tourism program is an opportunity to really encourage people to think about this as an opportunity for economic development. So you talked a little bit about range anxiety, and I think that what the EV tourism incentive program does is alleviate that anxiety from people who are potential EV owners and mm -hmm. don't know where they're going to charge up. I know as uh, an EV owner myself, you are correct that most of our charging is done overnight and we really don't charge at fast chargers or any of that sort, unless we're at the supermarket where it's a convenient charging location. And then we will go in and we'll charge up for 10, 15 minutes. So it's, it's nice to have, it's a nice little uh, perk to have, to know that I can go to the supermarket and there's a, a charger there. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure if, you know, if we're in Westfield or if we're in Asbury Park or, or uh, Cheesequake and we see, you know, we're going there, it's just nice to know that you can charge up. Yeah. And I think that the other part of that is range anxiety isn't just for the people who own EVs, it's for the people who are on the fence. And so there are really two huge pieces to getting more people into EVs. It's having them see more EVs on the road and having them see chargers. These programs help to socialize both of those things, right? You get more EVs on the road. People go, oh, that works. And you see more chargers and you go, oh, that's a place I can charge up. Now, for most people, once they buy their car, they're going to go, oh, I don't actually need that because I have one in my garage. Exactly. But for others, it's going to be really important. And for deciding where you're going to go on a longer trip or a weekend trip, it can really make the difference. Am I going to have to search around for an EV charger or am I just going to be able to be like, oh, there are some here? I am not an EV owner. Uh, I'm one of those on the fence. But 
(laughs) (laughs) Really, the hardest part is, you know, like, like Kathleen said, when you're thinking about buying it is when you have the range anxiety, when you actually own it, you realize it's silly. Well, you know, when I first started driving, truth be told, I would map my route along gas stations because I had this fear that I'd run out of gas. I know it's silly, (laughs) but I had my dad's old car. I could anticipate or assume that if I were to have one, I'd probably be one of those people that would map out the entire trip, even going to the office, starting with my own municipality, Mm. if we had a charging station. So what is the state doing to make sure that municipalities are keeping up to speed with the 2025 plan the governor set in place? So we, we certainly, we have goals for how many vehicles there should be. We have goals for how many chargers there should be, goals for how many um, EVs there should be in the state fleet. There are not specific goals for municipalities. However, and I'm probably biased, I always say here in New Jersey, if you want to get anywhere, you need to make sure that municipalities are leading by example. They are so important to, to normalizing this behavior because here's the thing. If you see an electric police car, you go, oh, well, if they can use it all day, then I can probably drive the five minutes to work. If you see your code official driving around town all day in an EV, you're going to say, oh, well, all I'm doing is driving to and from my office. And so our clean fleet program helps to incentivize vehicles for local fleets. And that's any local government. So that is your township, your county, your school your municipal MUAs, any local government piece, as well as state government. We also provide incentives for chargers. There's a larger incentive if it's public mm-hmm. or, and then you can get some money if it's a fleet charger as well. So those are great opportunities for municipalities to lead by example, getting those, those chargers so that people see that there's an opportunity as well as those vehicles. And I think the municipalities have really done a great job. A lot of them have either required or strongly encouraged the charging stations for new construction, which we were talking about the municipalities. I know that the governor last year in 2021 signed into law the EV municipal ordinance. Mm -hmm. And so we see towns like Westfield and and uh, Woodbridge and North Brunswick, and they're really taking the charge even before the ordinance went into effect. Mm -hmm. How do you see the new municipal ordinance impacting municipalities and increasing charging stations? So this is a great example of New Jersey leading the way. So before every municipality would deal with them differently, which is what we do in New Jersey anyway. (laughs) 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 But It would often take a really long time to get things through planning departments, and especially if you were going to a new municipality. So in Woodbridge, they knew exactly what it was. It was a charger. It was fine. But you'd go into some of the other municipalities and there would be lots of questions and the planning process could take a very long time. The very first thing that this did was it made it so that a charging station is a permitted accessory use everywhere. So you don't need to get a variance for it. You don't need to do those pieces. That cuts down on the planning time. Then it allowed for very similar guidelines for installation and all of those other pieces in every municipality. So every company knows what they're getting when they come into New Jersey. Now, are there going to be specifics that municipalities may need to change? There may be some setbacks that need to be addressed, some of those things. Those the municipality can absolutely do. But this set a statewide ordinance 
we do encourage each municipality to adopt it. And if they need to make slight tweaks, we tell them where they can do that and where they can't. It just makes it easier because it's embedded in the municipal code then. So multi-dwelling apartments and programs, what could you tell us about that, Kathleen? One of the big challenges is making sure that as we move to electric transportation, that there's equal access. And as we talked about earlier, most people are going to charge these things in their homes. But the fact of the matter is, is that it's harder to charge in your home if you don't have a single family residence. And there's lots of people in the state that don't live in those. And so the BPU created a specific program just for multi-unit dwellings where we will help fund the charger. We provide incentives for the chargers so that you can start to get more of those chargers in those places. I think that it's important. The other part that the municipal ordinance did was it created minimums on new construction. So the minimum amount of chargers and make ready that had to be installed. But what we're going to see over the next several years is more and more people looking at this as an amenity when they go look for places to live. And so allowing for an incentive that gives these communities sort of a leg up in installing them now and getting them to be early adopters is really important. It allows for um, people who don't live in single family homes Mm -hmm. to have much easier access to this charging. Mm -hmm. That's going to be a game changer for people who live in multi-unit dwellings because that's one of the big concerns is how am I going to charge my vehicle when I live in an apartment building or a condo unit? And so I know a lot of uh, municipalities, specifically North Brunswick has already required new construction to include EV charging stations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, this is a great place for municipalities to work with developers. You know, we have these programs. If you have an economic development division, they can be talking to the developers who are already there. And so, you know, there are these incentives. Can you can you guys apply? We think this is important. Workplaces too. There's not a specific incentive, but I think that you're going to see more and more of these workplaces looking to put in charging for their employees. Personally, I think you're going to see it as a way to get people into the office. You know, we're all sort of working remotely for so long. Everybody wants Mm -hmm. to stay at home. But if you go, quite honestly, even if you have a single family home, there's something to the psychology of, oh, but if I go to work, I get free charging. Free charging. Yep. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, sure, I'm paying. It's it's, it's minimal amounts I'm paying when I do it at home. But now I can get free charging at work. Sure, I'll go into the office two days a week. So thinking about those things, talking to large employers in your in your towns looking for developers who who are willing to put these in while there are incentives can really help change the dynamic and i think it's important to remember one of the reasons we're doing this a huge reason for all these goals is to lower emissions so the more opportunities in your town for charging the lower the emissions in your own community are going to be mm-hmm. that's a key point yeah So we are almost out of time today. Is there any last thoughts or parting wise words for our listeners? (laughs) I encourage them. There are incentives for all sorts of things at the moment. We're going to have federal incentives coming down the pipe soon, which are going to be for corridors. DEP has its its pays to plug program. We have the programs that we we talked about today. NJZIP is an EDA program for medium and heavy duty vehicles. If you are looking to invest in electric transportation, there is probably a program in the state of New Jersey. So reach out, look for those programs. This is going to take some time, but this really is the future of transportation. And 
the earlier you get in, the more likely are you are to be able to take advantage of these incentives. So true. Looks like we're going to have to have another podcast next season. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, thank you so much for joining us today. And thank you to our listeners. And all the programs that we mentioned will be listed in the link on our podcast download. Tune into our next episode next season. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Funded by the North Jersey Transportation Planning Authority and the Federal Highway Administration.